0: second episode of the Brush Builders Union podcast. I'm your host, Simon Berman, General President of the Brush Builders Union, and this month I am joined by game designer Andrew Haught of Battlefront and Flames of War. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: It's great speaking to you. I know there's a bit of a time difference. You're talking to us from uh, New Zealand. I'm in Seattle.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. I used to live up in Idaho, so.
0: Oh, right. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for coming out, and I was wondering if you could begin by telling us a little about yourself and uh, what you do at Battlefront as a game designer.
1: Well, um, well, like I said earlier, I grew up in kind of the Midwest and um, west of America, so Idaho, Minnesota, all that stuff. Um, Nothing really um, significant. My parents um, homeschooled me, which was kind of unique. Uh, My mom taught me through board games. She created them for me. So I kind of learned through playing games, and so that's how my mind works. So sure. I do a lot of problem solving by making them into games and trying to work around them. So, um, so this was kind of a perfect fit once I looked started looking for a job. My brother and I were both in college and we started playing flames of war and um, he uh, saw that they had a job opening and like, Oh uh, no, they'll never hire me. And I'm like, Oh, just try. And he did. And, um, he got the job a little bit later. And, um, about four years later, um, I created a, campaign system for flames of War for my local um, gaming group. And I sent it to my brother to see if he thought it was balanced. Um, it was at the time called, um, I think embers of war, I think it's what I called Cause it was a small scale flames of war. Sure. Um, and basically he was reading it and he left it on his desk one day and the boss picked it up and, uh, Pete was looking at it and asked Michael, why, why aren't we making this a thing? This looks cool. And so Michael's like, well, this is my brother's campaign. And long story short, um, I started working as a freelance writer for um, Flames of War because of that campaign. Um, They published it and they called it the Ace Campaigns. So it was infantry aces, tank aces, and stuff like that. So those familiar with the old version of the game will know those systems where you get to actually create heroes and it's kind of more of a choose-your-own kind of adventure version of the game, more like an RPG. And so that was kind of my introduction to working for Battlefront was writing these campaigns. And so I would write, one here and there and then eventually they decided that the time difference between America and New Zealand was just too great and sure. they gave me the job here and so I started working here um as well guy person my first kind of thing was writing some organized play stuff and working on a newly acquired game at the time which we don't have anymore called Dust but um and I helped write some of the rules and stuff for that and then when that went away, I kind of transitioned more into board games. I um, wrote Tanks with a mm-hmm. bunch of the guys at work. And so I'm kind of the head writer right now for Tanks. So I do all the things for that. And just recently, I started working on Flames of War books. I mean, I've always helped with books. I've always, um, you know, play tested them, edited them, gave feedback on them, and was an active part- um, member of the team. Because pretty much everything we do at Battlefront is a team effort. But now, like, with the version 4 Light War books, this is the first time I've actually written, I've been... Asked to write books, I I wrote the uh, British book for Um Lit War, uh-huh. and um, I, my brother um, who started working on the American book, got a different job, and so he went to go work on that for um a video game company, and so I was asked to pick up um his last book, and he's still around. He still does stuff with us, and he still yeah. comes in. But um, the American book was kind of my first step into working on a full fledged book on on my own. Michael did most of the work. On that one so i was able to see kind of what a full book would look like right while i was working on it and then the british book was kind of michael had an outline of it but he never actually did it so i was able to basically write that book and that was quite quite a fun experience
0: yeah i'll bet so you know i realize we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves um I oh think yeah sorry. Most, most of my audience is uh familiar with uh with flames of war but why don't you tell us just a little bit about it i think they know it's a world war ii game
1: basically it is a large-scale World War Two miniature game where you get to play whole um companies, um so you're playing like I don't know let's see here twelve tanks, and like like twenty if, um, stands of infantry that kind of thing to kind of give sure. you a scale, but um basically you are taking on the role of a um a general in World War Two and you have your army and you're just kind of fighting another player's army. It's very um objective based. So there'll mm-hmm. be like goals for you to try to do in your game. So it's not just about destroying your opponent; it's about securing an objective or preventing right. your opponent from securing an objective, and that kind of stuff. So it gives you a lot more, I don't know, tactical freedom in the game of what you're doing and what you're not doing, and then at the same time, it kind of restricts you in other ways, which is kind of good for a World War II themed game because you should be mission focused.
0: Now that makes total sense. So, um, you know, and it's uh, what scale is it at exactly? Is it fifteen millimeter?
1: Yeah, it's fifteen millimeter.
0: That's cool, so you get lots of, lots of little dudes as opposed to the 28mm stuff I think a lot of people are more familiar yeah. with playing.
1: You can get a lot of models into the game, like King Tigers and stuff like that, and they're not massive kits. They're not super expensive because they're at 15mm, so you can kind of scale out to a bigger level.
0: Right, no, that makes sense. I played a little bit a few years ago with the um, the Alameen starter.
1: Oh yeah, I wrote that.
0: <laughs> yeah, Oh, that's a, that's a fun little set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, ha- I have a... Uh... A small group of um, the British tanks with the Crusaders.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that was a, an interesting project because I wasn't I didn't know that um, we were going to do that. And then the boss is like, "Hey, we want to do this. Can you write me a rule set for it?" I'm like, "Yeah, right <laughs> on. <So, Fair enough. laughs> yeah, like, this is quite cool." But yeah, it was just basically making the Flames of War because that, that book was more of a supposed to be more of a ca- casual rule reading. Like it's supposed to be more conversational than hard rules, like a, a sure. like the main rule book is. So that was an interesting project because I had to kind of think about a new player and what kind of rule book that they would want to read. And yeah, so that's, that's basically what that project was, was that kind of intro into mid-war.
0: Yeah, that was, that was definitely a cool little set. Um, so, you know, it sort of leads into a question I had, you know, um, as a designer and a writer, you're, you're sort of the first point of entry for somebody who's looking to get into flames of war for the first time. So I was wondering if, if there's any particular way that you approach the material um, to make it accessible for somebody who may just be digging into world war two history and, you know, uh, light historical gaming for the first time.
1: Well, we try to make sure that there's kind of an overall like basic history in the book. So if you just want to read about like what's going on in the area, there's there's a bit of, you know, what's going on, um, in that time period. And then each army has like a little story or a little bit of, um, history that kind of lets you tie that army into the historical period that you're fighting in. But, um, but yeah, when, when I approach making, um, the game accessible one of the things we do at um, flames of war is we create a lot of kind of introduction pro- products things that kind of like let you dip your toe into the game like the alamein mm-hmm. set um and and for um the late war we're going to have a new one called fury and that one will be another little tank battle um box that will have late war tanks and then we have um a bunch of introductory products um like hit the beach um which is a two-player army set it's a really Kind of a nice entry point for two players who want to learn the game together. So we'll have a German and an American army both in there, and it's like, I want to say, you get a ton of stuff in that particular yeah. box. It's like any two-player box that you see for like forty k or something like that. It's it's a good deal and it has a lot of stuff in it. And then we have our upcoming army deals, which just has everything you need to play in them, like an army, the rule book, and um, like an, the army lists and stuff like that you need to play that army in. So you can can enter the game at any level that you want. If you want a lot of history and you want to have a lot of freedom of what you want to choose, you just buy your army book. You you can read the history. You can get into it. If you just want to get into the game, you just want to learn um, the basic rules. And buying Fury gives you, just like LMA, gives you that idea of how tank battles work in the game Uh and that kind of core mechanics. And if you want to just hit that middle point, you can grab um, the Hit the Beach set that lets you um, and a friend get into the game together.
0: That's cool. And these are all coming out soon, I take it.
1: Yeah, this is yeah, with Late War we wanna we just wanna have a lot of things out right um right out the bat. So we yeah, hit the beach, then the army deals and Fury should all be coming out relatively soon after um, the launch of Fisher um, version four.
0: No, that's great. Mm-hmm. So you know, and, and um I think just to to maybe clarify a little bit, so late war is sort of a, a period in World War Two that the your flames of war is currently We're about to be focusing on is that correct
1: yeah so basically there's three periods in flames of war and these periods basically break up the technology and everything else so the game is kind of balanced within those zones so we have early war which is really light tanks and just look a lot of the stuff that happened at the very beginning of the war and then we have a mid-war period which is like the africa fighting Mm -hmm. and um a lot of the um easter front like during that time period and then late war is kind of after they break into italy and beyond Sure. And that will take you to the end of the war, and um, you'll have D Day and migration and all that stuff is in in that um block of time.
0: Right. Yeah. It sounds like uh was uh hit the beach is kind of a D Day themed product. Yeah.
1: Um, a lot of the well, the first run of all of our stuff is going to be D Day themed. So um, well, hit the beach um is a kind of a two player starter set. We also will have a bunch of um D Day themed stuff coming out throughout the launch, so the, all the books will be like D-Day American is what the first book is called, and then uh-huh. D-Day German, D-Day British, you know focus on the D-Day and kind of the breakout and beyond of Normandy battles and then next year we're going to continue the story on, on, the, um, on the Russian front, and we're just kind of breaking it up into uh, um, chunks, and then we're going to do the Bulge and then we're going to do, um, go back to Berlin and um, kind of complete the story there, so it's timeline journey that we're going on right now um, oh, that throughout makes sense. the war yeah
0: you know, I, I think I like it too, because you know if you're um if you're just getting into World War II gaming, you know it's probably a little overwhelming. there's just there's so many aspects of it in fronts and different forces involved and being able to just be like, okay, well, the company's putting out these products for this era of the war. This is a good way to just sort of dip my toe in and and uh, find a starting point.
1: yeah. It's kind of like the same reason why card games cycle through sets. You sometimes you just have to reset and be like, okay, well, here's version four. And now we're going to do mid-war for a while. And now next we're going to do late war for a while. And it gives players that chance to kind of like, well, I've always wanted to join and now everything's restarting again. I can kind of get in on get on the ground level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, I mean, speaking of just getting into it, I think um, many miniatures gamers if, these days, if not most, are sort of introduced to the hobby through sci-fi and fantasy. And, you know, there's not a lot of barrier to, to you know, painting whatever you want. You don't, Nobody's going to bother you about getting it right. You know, if your ultramarines are the wrong shade of blue, it's not it's not that big a deal. Um, but I think there's a perception that you know when you when you start getting into historical gaming, there's some pressure to you know be accurate, right, and to make sure your you know your troops are in the right color uniforms, and um, you know they they make some kind of sense compositionally, right? Like you know you're not going to have those, those big Tiger twos or whatever in that early war period. And, you know, it's, it's just a lot to take in, not just in terms of force composition, but paint scheme. And, you know, I was wondering if you, had a, if you had any recommendations for how a first-time historical player could get started.
1: Well, um, one thing that's really great about historical games is that there is a lot of um, resources that you can use to find out what things should be painted. But um, I think a lot of players do get hung up on having to be exactly right. And I think that's kind of a pitfall. I think if you're close enough, it's fine. Like um, I've seen thousands of different shades of um, olive drab for the American tanks, and, sure. it's just, and yeah, and a lot of the a lot of the um, photographs, especially from the earlier periods, like if we were playing like our World War One game and stuff like that, are f- taken from old black and white stills and stuff like that. And what in colors and stuff like that are kind of a little bit more guesswork in a way. Yeah. And then a lot of times, um, canvas schemes and stuff were painted by what they paint they had on hand. So there's, like, countless discussions of, like, exactly what colors um, Kamos game from the desert is. And so you can get into lots of the nuances if you want to, but I think most players um, don't mind if you just have the right colors and stuff. And even there's even some creative players. Like, I remember going to a tournament, and one person decided that his British army was going to be Canadian, and they were going to be 100% Canadian. And the way he just showed that was he painted every single one of his tanks Canadian flag colors with a big Canadian huh. leaf on top. And where there were a couple of players who were very stickler to like, oh, it has to be like this and didn't like it. Most players are fine with it. And you can kind sure. of do what you want. And so it's, it's still a hobby. It's still your hobby. So you can still um, do exactly what you want. But for a new player, um, one of the cool products we are coming out with that's a great starter and a great place to kind of figure out what to paint is our Colors of War books. And it's just a, a whole book just on painting guides. We use our Vallejo paint range. That we're um, we teamed up with Vallejo for um, V four, and so we'll tell you which Vallejo paints to pick up, and um, give you step by step instructions how to paint infantry tanks and all that stuff. So if you don't want to think about what colors to pick up or do stuff, that book is great because it tells sure. you exactly what to do.
0: No, that's that's very helpful. Um, you know, I think I think another question I sort of have is you know if so if you're if you're looking to get into the game and you're like I I know I want to play Flames of War, I just don't know. You know how how am I going to pick my army? Um, and, you know if I'm if I'm just trying to get it generally correct, maybe not doing super rivet counting, but you know I'd like to have some some familiarity or rather some accuracy to my, my units and troops. You know what, what's sort of the best way to get going with that?
1: Well, um, a lot of our books will have um, some diagrams of like what was in like a particular company. Like it will be like oh this tank company had this many tanks or that mm-hmm. much infantry and that kind of stuff. And kind of gives you an idea of what was actually there. Um, our current books right now, our new style is to be more permissive than we used to be. We used to have a yeah. lot of very specific lists that were, this this army existed at this time and they had these things. And then we had lots of them. And the issue is that we'd had like 18 variants of Panzer Grenadiers or, you know, all these different types of things that each one had to have some something unique about like a special rule or a different composition or something. And mm-hmm. to kind of curve that, giant um just amount of lists that people had to remember when they went to tournaments and stuff like oh that exists i'll have to be worried about that kind of mentality we made our new list very permissive and you can actually create a lot of very historical lists out of what we have and so it's more of if a player wants to be super historical they can and they just need uh-huh. to look it up and figure out what their units had and stuff like that there's tna tnoes and other things that will tell you exactly what you want if you look for um military records and stuff like that but um and then if you just want to play the game and you want to, I want to run tigers, you don't have to really worry about that. You can just pull out your book. You can figure out what what the tiger company looks. And if you follow the book, you'll be generally historical. Um, we don't really try to throw in anything that was ahistorical into our actual formations. So if you stick to a formation and you, you build that one up, then you should have what they generally had in that battle. So you don't have to worry. If you don't want to do the research, you can just pick up a book and go. You should be fine.
0: No, that's great for a starting point. Um, yeah. So, do, when you're when you're building an army or a force for the game, are there any places of inspiration you like to look for?
1: Uh, movies and TV shows. Yeah. Um, I, I think I once a year watch um, Band of Brothers, and once a year start wanting to paint and put together my uh, paratroop company. uh oh, Sure. Um, but one of the um, companies I kind of fell in love with was um, doing something with Private Ryan. He drops on um, Omaha Beach. And I started looking and reading about that and there was a company called the blue and the gray and they were um, traditionally two different units from the States that were Confederate and union that kind okay. of were merged together. And their the symbols are yin and yang with the blue and gray colors. And I always yeah. thought that was an interesting thing. And one of the things that, that was cool about them that I read while researching them was that they're one of the few units that painted that symbol on all their helmet and, um, So it adds a cool aspect to the infantry. You can paint that little symbol on each of your infantry guys, and now you are the blue and the gray. And it's cool. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah. And so, um, movies kind of are good, movies and books are a great gateway into kind of figuring out what you want to do. Cause, um, that's, they're, they're like, oh, okay. I want to do this. Like, I remember watching Band of Brothers, and they attacked a city, and there were 88s and Tiger tanks and grenadiers in, um, the city that they were fighting, and I built the German version of that list. And I just went through the episode, figured out everything that was in there in that episode, and was like, okay, well, I'm going to put at least all that in my one one list. And my brother put together the uh, paratroopers, and we had a game, and we kind of tried to recreate that
0: that battle. It was quite cool.
1: I was going to say, Fury is another inspirational movie as well, with that last stand tank thing. And that's actually one of the movies that inspired us to make Tanks, the game.
0: So with the focus on late war at the moment, do you think that uh, it's a particularly good time to get into the game for the first time?
1: Yes. it's. Um, there's a lot of different um, really cool things you can do getting into the game right now. Um, one of the things that we're going to do with the launch of late war is we have an organized play kind of kit thing for stores to pick up that has a lot of um, painting and modeling um, rewards. So it's sure. different than your normal organized play. This, this organized plays because how I learned how to play Flames of War, was my brother and I both were card floppers and we just played um, all the decipher card games back in the day, Star Trek, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And we were really good friends with the miniature gamers, but we didn't play 40K. We didn't play any of the games they played. And so um, when Flames of War was kind of being pushed around, the store was looking at picking it up and one of the store owners, or one of the guys who worked there, um, uh, remembered that Michael and I both loved history. And so when they saw Flames of War, they were like, well, let's pick this up. And then we maybe we can get Michael and Angie to play miniature games with us, and that's basically what happened. They picked up the game, and we started playing miniature games with them. And um, we didn't know how to paint, do anything. And what they did was a weekly hobby night at the game store, where all the painters got together, and we just sat down and painted. And that's how I learned how to paint, and it was a great experience because you just could ask questions and get answers immediately, and people would show you how to shade, how to how to bring, um, how to highlight colors, how to do all the things that you need to do to really make an army pop um painting wise yeah. and i kind of wanted to recreate that as an organized event and i'm like well this would be a lot of people's first armies so maybe we'll have it be a kind of a three-month program where you're just painting your first army with people at the store you can paint at home as well but you can kind of get that community going and get stores kind of used to having those hobby nights and having that sure. kind of cool interaction because i think painting is great and it's awesome when you do it with friends i mean we do that here at battlefront um we're going to do that today actually a bunch of friends are coming over and we're going to be doing painting and having um everybody at work to um to work on our um, late war projects when we do the launch and so we're going to have um just a hobby day here and um i really think that's important for the game and i think it's important for the community so um this organized play event um, just focuses a lot on that there's some games and some tournaments and stuff you can play during it but um your your first goal is to paint 500 oh sorry 50 points for the new 100 point scheme 50 points and um and then you want to start playing games right away with those and you learn the rules and do stuff and then you work on painting the rest of your army throughout the campaign sure.
0: about how many models is 50 points in uh, in flames of war these days
1: it really depends um because we have a, a variety of ratings as stuff. Uh, 50 points could be you know three tigers to a whole company of infantry so um yeah So, yeah, it really depends on what you're looking at. But um, you can really gauge your project to what you want to – like how much time you want to put into it and what you want to do. But, yeah, I think in Light War, though, I think you can get about – a Sherman Platoon is about 13 points for three or four tanks. So that kind of gauges. So if you get, let's say, 50 points, so it's about nine tanks or ten tanks. That's
0: not bad at all. Yeah. I mean, at that scale, it's actually not that many models, is it?
1: Yeah. There's not that
0: much painting, I should say.
1: Yeah, and um, the one thing that is kind of good with um, a lot of the stuff is that um, you can go as detailed as you want with historical painting. Like There was a base paint that every country used. Like The Germans will paint just yellow in the later war stuff or just gray from the mid-war stuff. And the Americans and the British had the greens. And so you can just do a base color on all your tanks and it would look fine. Or you can go into the camos and the, the winter camo schemes and all that stuff. If you want to do a lot of detail
0: yeah naturally uh so what army are you working on for late war
1: um right now i'm working on uh, american beach landing troops so um they um the americans kind of created special assault beach assault groups that um used like flamethrowers and a different composition of infantry some um some more bazookas and stuff like that and then um they landed on the landing craft so i'm painting some landing craft for that and um the Sherman tanks on my list have the um, beach assault skirts on them, so they could uh, they, they made them amph- amph- amphibious, right, and stuff like that, so they can float in the water and stuff like that. So that that's one list that I'm working on now. Um, and yeah, it's one of my favorite lists. It's the blue and grays again. I'm kind of recreating that old list. I have my old models I brought back with me from the states, and uh-huh. I have some new ones I'm going to kind of mix in with them and kind of give them a refresher, if you know what I mean. Kind of repaint them sure. and kind of get them ready to go
0: do you have uh do you have new models coming out for this
1: for the um for the books yeah there's some new plastics there's a new stewart kit and some new um um, i think there's a new some new german kits coming out um yeah i don't have the product line in front of me but um a lot of it is going to be old kits that we kind of um, repackage and put the new cards in and update them and stuff like that but we will have um, more plastics as we go forward. And our goal is to have as much plastics in each book as we can. And so right. um, we're focusing on kind of updating all of our stuff to have plastics and doing that.
0: Yeah, I, I was impressed with the uh, the plastic crusaders I put together. They're definitely, they're fun little kits to assemble.
1: Yeah, we've definitely learned a lot when we started our first, like when you look at like our open fire kit, which is kind of what our Hit the Beach kit is um, based on, our very first ones were good. But the plastic tanks um, now are so much better than those tanks were that we have replaced all the tanks in the in the open firebox with our new plastic tanks, and they're they're great. It's, just, it's like uh, it's like the difference between you know early days plastic and modern plastics. Oh is, sure, it's, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, I guess it's just really satisfying to like sit down with a kit, and you know, an hour hour or two later, you've got like you know a squadron of tanks on your desk. It's just like well, I really I, I accomplished something, <laughs> even if it wasn't that yeah. much work. Very really yeah. satisfying. Yeah, and you know, so um, obviously, sort of D-Day is the 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 opening point for late war, I imagine. Um, so, we, we, do you have much terrain available for that, like pre-made kits, or do you have resource for you to build yeah, their own um,
1: stuff? well, we create a product range called um, Battlefield in the Box, which is part of our another company that we own uh, called Gale Force Nine, and um, they do a lot of pre-painted train kits for us or pre-made, basically. So there's, there's forests, trees. We'll go, we're going to have some buildings and stuff like that in that range as well. So you can get a lot of the train there. We have um, mats, like um, the kind of mouse pad mats you can roll out on your table Sure. Uh, for grass. and um, Well, we tend to have double-side our mats, so you can kind of pick what theater you want. So we have one that's right. grass, and the other side's desert, and then we have another one that's kind of urban landscape, and then grass on the other side. But um, we do have a large range of um, train that we do sell that is in scale for Flames of War.
0: Sure. Do you have a beach mat, though?
1: um well actually with um what's coming out we're going to come out with um a beach mat and a whole d day kit that will have um cardboard terrain that gives you fortifications and all the other things that you need for um beach landing assaults so either uh-huh. you can use the models that we sell cuz we sell um actual bunkers of um bunkers in resin and stuff like that, that you can buy but um this one will allow you to play with cardboard so you can just have that d day game because it's a big game. It takes a long time to play. And most, I'll bet. most people play like one or two of those games a year just because it's fun, especially around D-Day. And then they um, kind of go back into normal Flames of War playing where they play regular companies versus regular yeah. companies. So having um, dedicated train and stuff like that is not something every play wants. want. And so For being sure. able to throw out the cardboard on there and, and having the mat. And our mat basically just lies on top of our grass mat, changing it into a beach-finding mat.
0: Oh, so it's yeah, not cool.
1: you don't have to buy a full mat. You just have to buy our um, little thing that you lay down on on the mat. So you'll have that.
0: I've got to I've got to say I'm, I'm excited about this stuff too, just because you know I think that 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 D Day battle is such an iconic thing in wargaming. You know I think anybody who's played wargaming for any length of time, whether they they've just played sci fi games or whatever, they've probably played you know a D Day style game at some point because it's yeah. it's just it's so it's so iconic having you know dump, dumping your dudes on the beach and having the the gun emplacements and everything. Um, in fact, I was I was at uh, one of the local gaming conventions here. is called Enfilade, uh, which is a historicals convention in Olympia, Washington, which I'm getting ready to go to in a few weeks. But cool. uh, two years ago, they had, D-Day was their theme, and they had built a massive. I think it must have been twelve, maybe sixteen foot long beach table um, with I think twelve players to a side, and um, I think it was a homebrewed system. But it was just such a great spectacle, and like you know, just 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 seeing all those those you know the landing craft and all of that on the beach is just really really dope
1: yeah i remember when um they first did d-day at flames War. my brother and i weren't working here yet um we were both back in the states at that game store that i was talking about earlier that got us into the game that game store was in the mall it was an interesting experience because we did the d-day thing and um, i think we made about four tables long worth of d-day stuff because it's just our group and we um, each took a beach ourselves created i created point to hawk and that's the ranger cliff face one that they had to climb that was quite difficult Uh But um, we put it out in the middle of the mall because that's the only place we could actually fit. So people sure. were walking down the mall shopping and here's this big D-Day game that we were playing and talking to people about and stuff like that. It was a really cool kind of like centered talking piece about what was going on. We were, we were I think we we set it up so we were kind of playing around the, the time of D-Day, but I don't remember if that was true enough. I think that's what we were, our goal was. And yeah, Slides of War has some cool rules that lets you actually, there's landing craft rules. So your your mm-hmm. um, boats can actually drift down shore, and so since we had the four tables together, we kind of increased that so you could shift very far down the shore, and oh, yeah. <laughs> up the shore. So some of us had units on other people's tables, helping them out and um, doing stuff. And so it was kind of cool because it turned into we we made it so it was each individual games, but we could break off and help each other next to each other. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a very fun experience, and it's when when you just play games just to play games like that wasn't a tournament or what we weren't winning prizes or anything it was just fun there's a whole yeah. there's a whole aspect of the game that i quite enjoy i'm, I'm a huge casual player and doing those I'm big mega battles is just so much fun
0: yeah and i think i think d-day in particular was such a great opportunity for the for a big game with you know your whole shop or your whole club yeah um, to get together and have a you know a big day or even a weekend of of you know really narrative game mm-hmm. gameplay
1: yeah i remember um yeah, we, we just kept on doing things like that at the store. Like we would continue doing more and more stuff. We had tournaments and we had our competitive edge as well. But um, but yeah, we as as a group, we we did lots of just fun stuff. I remember one day um, my brother and I had a barbecue at our house. We just set up a table and we're like, everyone just bring 500 points worth of Flames of War. And throughout the day, just throw it on the table whenever you want. Join the battle. Once you're killed, you can go get some food and then throw it back on the table later if you want to. Join the Continuous Battle. We just had this ongoing game all day. It was just fun.
0: Very cool. Mm -hmm. So we've obviously talked an awful lot about uh, D-Day so far, but I was wondering if... um, Are there any other battles or, you know, specific forces from that period of World War II that you find particularly inspiring or that you're looking forward to seeing uh, coming out in the future products?
1: Oh, I'm a huge fan of, like, the um, the battles around Lorraine. Some of the largest tank battles on the um, Western Front over there. Um, And the... um, the bulge campaign just in general. But um, the Loran battles were always interesting to me because there was a lot of fog and it was kind of a lot of miracle stuff happened where like the American army should have been crushed by the German reinforcements, but the fog blinded the Germans and the Americans were able to hold wow. off more than they could. I, I don't know. There's something about that battle. is like, it just feels almost like a divine intervention type situation where sure. the Germans could have crushed the the allies and um, you know, just weather and stuff. And it's interesting the things like weather or... Um, one of the things my brother studied in college and we would have great discussions about was um, diseases and medical conditions during war and how those affected mm-hmm. things, especially during like world war one with like trench foot and stuff and yeah. how those actually had major impacts in the battles and stuff like that. And this, in this particular one um, instance, it's a weather condition and that just completely gave the advantage to the allies. And it was just a very interesting moment of time that, um, that I quite, quite enjoy. And so I have a lot of, I've, have, I've, have um, an American half track list that I've kind of modeled after that battle, and I have I'm going to be putting together a '76 Sherman company when that comes out again, and um to kind of play around with the fog and all that stuff. So yeah,
0: that's cool. So do do you do, will there be opportunities for like rules modeling the weather or the fog or what have you?
1: A lot of those kind of rules, um, I kind of we will make rules. We'll put them online, and people can play around with them if they want. But um, those kind of rules are kind of great house rules, I think. Because yeah, th- it really depends on the situation. Like you wouldn't want to see those in a, like a tournament or something because it just slows down games and games sure. timeout. So you kind of those are great for casual games and doing stuff like that. But like fog rules would be very similar to nighttime rules, where you won't be able to see stuff very easily from far away. You have to roll to see how far you can see, and then um, if somebody shoots at you, you'll be able to kind of see where the muzzle fire is coming from and return fire. So um, so yeah, it would be very similar to um, nighttime rules in that respect.
0: That makes sense. know. Yeah, so we're talking a little bit about, you know, these um, sort of granular secondary rules like weather and, and nighttime and so forth, um, which made me think about, you know, one of the one of the things I often hear from from gamers who play, you know, a lot of 40k or what have you is um, they're sort of interested in historicals, but there's a, there's a perception that historicals can be um, really rules heavy and really finicky. And my impression is that Flames of War is, you know, it, it leans a little more closely to, you know, a more narrative um, or cinematic style game. And I was wondering if that's something that you consciously designed towards or against, or, um, you know, what, what your space in the historicals gaming arena is like.
1: Yeah, um, I, I like to think that we, we um, create a rule set that allows players just to play at the, whatever level they want. So um, with the Flames of War rules, there isn't a lot of super detail. Like I remember when I first started playing... Um, Flames of War. I, I like. Well, what other historicals can I play? And I played a Civil War game, and somebody fired a cannon into a building that my infantry were in, and we had to roll on a chart to see what material the building was made out of, and we found out it was wood, and then we had to roll to see what kind of shards the wood gave out, and then we saw if another chart that let me know whether or not the infantry were injured by um the wood shards and then another Uh chart, what kind of (laughs) injuries they had. And it's like, you can get really detailed if you want to. And there's some players who love that detail. You know, that's, that's like an event for them. They set one game a year, maybe two, and they play this super detailed game. But, um, Flames of War is not that. Flames of War is just meant for quick, fun games on the table with really kind of very straightforward rules. Um, very much in kind of the same veins, like 40 K is where it's just, you know, you move your troops, you shoot your troops, and there's not very much to it. You have your rolls to hit. You have your armor save. You have your firepower checks to see if your uh, your your, um, your round penetrates. I mean, what it does, if it destroys the tank or if it just spooks the crew and knocks them out of the tank and stuff like that. So, um, so basically it's a very simple, simplified rules, but at the same time it does what it needs to do to tell the story
0: sure and that, that story seems to be kind of the important thing you mentioned you know a lot of it is sort of objective or mission-based stuff yeah um, that seems to be a real consideration for you as well huh
1: yeah we um we like that kind of push and pull because without objectives um a lot of games can turn into i'm just going to sit here and wait for you to come to me type Great. games and objectives force players to move and to think tactically tactically if you want to be the person who sits down and defends you can like one of the things that came out in the late war that we quite Like, it's in the old version of Flames of War, you just rolled a random mission, and then you figured out who was the attacker and who was the defender. And a lot of times, it would be weird. Like, um, I could be, like, a tank force, and all of a sudden, I'm defending against another tank force. But the defending list is meant for an infantry company defending against anything else. And so a lot of my tanks are in reserve. There's hardly anything of mine on table. So we had to write rules to kind of, like, well, if if you're playing a tank company in this, you can have more tanks and... Yeah, it just wasn't exactly what we wanted. And then we came up with this really cool um, rule set called um, Battle... I think it's like Battle Orders or something. I can't remember the name of it. But anyways, it turned into... um, Through playtesting and stuff, it turned into what we now have for our mission. And you create battle plans um, at the beginning of each game where you choose if you want to be attacking, defending, or um, if you go on a maneuver. And then when you choose that, and then you reveal to your opponent at the same time which one you choose, your missions then are still randomized, but they're randomized in a way that your choice is taken into consideration. So if you don't choose defend, you won't have those heavy defense missions. If you choose attack. So if you might still be the defender in the mission, but you won't have those, yeah, those particular ones. No, I get it. Yeah. And So um, we really um, want players to be able to play the, the kind of level of game they want to play. And that really just kind of gives you more control over that aspect of it.
0: Seriously, about how long do you think the an average game of games of flames of war takes
1: um an hour or two somewhere in there that's all right yeah um i think most tournaments give like an hour and a half hour hour two hour kind of um games and then that's when they'll call time
0: sure uh but you know it's something you can easily get a couple of games in a night if you wanted to or just hang out with your buddies or whatever right yeah for sure I guess you know. So, um, with all this late war stuff coming out, is there anything you're particularly proud of or excited to be see coming out that you've worked on?
1: Um, well, I worked on a lot of um, the organized play aspects, and I already d- talked a little bit about the um, the hobby league. But um, one of the things that um, I worked on with my brother on this one is we kind of redid the Ace campaigns. So um, it's kind of like my my roots. I'm coming back, and it's like ah. So we created um, a cool deck system that allows you to play um, campaign games using cards, and it kind of creates a tech tree. So, like, if you beat this (laughs) mission, then you go to this mission. But if you lost this mission, you go down to this one. And so, depending if you're allied or axis, and so you kind of create a story as you go through. And each, um, each the back of each card has a narrative that you can read as you go through to figure out what's happening in the overall story. And in that, you can play aces again. And so we have the same abilities. That we had in the original Infantry Aces, where you can pick one of your teams, and then each game you play, you can assign, um gain a new, a new ability. So you kind of create a custom hero as you go through. Sure, and I That's quite really like cool. I quite like that kind of RPG aspect of um, Aces. It's more it's more of that kind of casual play stuff that I like, and so it's
0: yeah, it's yeah. Obviously, that's a sweet spot for me as well but don't let me completely go on <laughs> yeah
1: and the thing I like about these ace campaigns is that they're um just a deck of cards you can buy the more campaigns that will come will come out with the more ace cards you'll get the more other things so the the, the, the your set will grow as you go but um it's just something you simple you can add just to try something else with your games. So I not mean, tournaments that isn't your store organized play it's just something your friends and you are doing it's just a deck of deck of cards and saying that sure. a store could just buy them and run them as a store organized play as well. So it's just a great little kit and I quite I quite I'm quite proud of that little kit.
0: That sounds really cool. So I mean is that are those like normal size games or they a little smaller or a little bigger?
1: Um those are normal size but you can play them as a build up campaign if you want. You can start off with 50 points and then play 75 points in your in the second game and 100 points in the third game and then um so on. But um but yeah, Flames of War, I mean, we balance the game and we kind of playtest it and kind of the, the average points we want people to play is about 100 points. But um, going above or beyond um, or below that is perfectly fine. Um, going 50 to 75 is definitely fine if you want to try to kind of ease your way into a larger campaign or into...
0: Sure, but you think 100 points is kind of where, you, where you're hoping the game gets played the most? Yeah, that's a sweet spot. I think it's important to know that too, because I feel like, you know, there's a thing you often see in, in war gaming where people, you know, they... They, they really want to play skirmish games, but they also really want to play, you know, a game that is not a skirmish game. And they get frustrated when, you know, they're, they're, the game isn't as good when they're playing it with, you know, fewer points than it needs to be played at. Yeah. And I think, you know, he, hearing from the game developers be like, no, this is this is where we want you to play the game. This is how we balance it. It's, it's just a really useful thing for people to know.
1: Yeah, I think um, with points, it's it's a, it's an interesting balance, but like there's a, lov- a point level where you get almost everything you want. Like you're like, oh, if I could have just more points, I could put this one last unit in. That's actually, I think, where... Where the, the the points are right, because that means that you then have later on it's like, well, I'm gonna swap this out for this, and you you feel like there's like you have some limits, but you still have most of what you want in your list.
0: Yeah, no, it's always best when you know you have almost all your toys, because yeah. then you're you're making a hard choice or two, and that that tells you that the you know the game is probably at least relatively well balanced right there. Yeah,
1: the one thing that we have lucky with um this is um, play, um if you want to play. A skirmishy flames of war type game um tanks is perfect for that because it's basically um well to put it bluntly it's basically x-wing with tanks that's how it kind of ended up being um so you'll have upgrades and stuff and you play with four to five tanks saying that's like x-wing is kind of like saying flames of war is like 40k um sure the um the um tanks again is an objective based game and so it has more of those aspects to it um and it uses a different type of movement system and a um, different type of everything. So um, so it is like it in a way that it's easy to describe it to somebody who wants to know what the look and feel of it. Like you buy upgrade cards for it um, that you can attach to each of your tanks. And you can put heroes on some tanks and do stuff like that if you want to. And it's a very small scale game where you have at most about like six seven tanks. And um, well, on average, you can have a swarmy army that has more and normal armies have three to four. So, it's, yeah, if you want to play skirmishy, tanks is perfect for that.
0: Right. That, that And that is a wholly separate game from Flames of War, correct?
1: Yes, but we use exactly the same models, so it's really easy right. to interchange the two. Um, well, tanks is another great place to start because you could actually start building a tank's force and then all of a sudden you have a platoon for sure. Flames of War. And it's like, oh, well, might as well try Flames of War and then you can kind of bridge the games and use the same models for both. One of the things we wanted with um, Tanks games is the idea that in a tournament, if you get your game done early, you and your friends could just grab the tanks you were just playing with, grab a couple of Tanks cards, and like, let's play a quick Tanks game while everybody else finishes their games.
0: Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Probably we're just about ready to wrap up, no, I won't take too much of our time, but I thought I'd see if you had any final thoughts on players who are looking into getting into games, Flames of War for the first time with Late War. Mm-hmm.
1: I think a lot of the same rules apply to um, Flames of War as other games, but one of the things that I always um, tell new players is to um, not worry about um, the competitive aspect when you start playing a game. Um, focus on what you want to play. Like, what looks cool to you? Like, do you like a particular tank, or do you like a particular... Um, country or something like that, then pick that because that's going to get you further than whether or not you, your list is great in a tournament situation or if it's going to be the right competitive edge. Because if you try to build to a formula, you, you won't have the same attachments you'll have to like, oh, I want to play British and I want to buy everything British. So I, I I would just say pick what you want to play and just kind of have fun with it. Um, you'll have more fun playing something that you enjoy having, having that kind of theme to than something that you've tailored or copied from somebody else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's good advice just for wargaming in general
1: too. Although um, I remember when I first started, um, because I I did branch into 40k for a bit, and I kept on buying armies that looked cool to me. Though um, my friend kept on buying his armies, and we always ended up having like the counters to each other, and like it just this happened that way, or that, or my army was so overpowered at the time. I think the first army I picked up was Grey Knights, and he picked up Tyranids, and um, Uh the Grey Knight army was incredibly overpowered compared to the Tyranids army that we were playing at the time. And I was remembering, like, every week he's like, oh, I found a way to beat your Grey Knights. I'm like, oh, that's cool. By the way, I found this new special rule that counters that in my giant (laughs) list of rules that I get. Like, I'm going to play Big Bugs. I'm like, oh, I can destroy big um, things with one hit with one of my guys with this spell. But we both stuck with those armies until we got good with them because we loved the the look and feel of them. And um, with Flames of War, um, I'm a huge fan of the Armored Infantry. Like, I love half-tracks. And yeah, so cool. I just I, I always kind of have some kind of half track list. Like I have a universal carrier um Soviet list that has the British Universal Carrier that was sold to the British. Um the, the Soviets didn't know what to do with them. They were like recon vehicles and transports, but they just jammed them with infantry and sent them forward so i have a whole <laughs> whole list of them just filled with infantry it's like yeah that's that, that's so Soviet it so that uh, sure is and so like every 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 list i have there's a half track variant because i, I love half tracks and you know it might not be the best list out there tournament wise but it's fun to play and i always enjoy the games i play with them so
0: right you found your angle on it yeah. and you're having a good time because of it exactly all right Andrew well thanks again for coming on mm-hmm. and uh I think our listeners are really going to enjoy uh, hearing everything you have to say about Flames of War and your work on it. And uh, in fact, we're going to be doing one more Flames of War episode next month. One of the studio painters from Battlefront is going to come on to talk specifically about um, tips and techniques for painting World War II 15mm stuff, oh, yeah. and I'm really excited to talk to him too.
1: Yeah, Aaron's a pretty cool guy. You guys got going to have a good conversation, I think. Um,
0: yeah, it's going to be fun for sure. He's also
1: um, quite into um, the Team Yankee aspect of things and the moderns, which we didn't really get into in our discussion, so um, he'll able to tell you some of that as well
0: oh cool yeah that's the sort of like uh 80s world war three era stuff right? yeah
1: yeah it's um 85 i always remember the year because it's the year after my birthday so because i was born in 84 huh. so i'm like ah so i was one years old doing this so i need a little infant <laughs> model for my army I'll join the forces and I, and I was there no. <laughs> but yeah it's very interesting because um it was never a period that I, I learned actually that's one other interesting thing with um world war ii is my my um my um intro to his, history was actually american revolutionary war and that was my like area of sure. study in college and i was le- learning about propaganda and how it was used during the war so world war II was never really my thing and then i started playing flames of war and i learned so much about world war yeah. II. like i learned what it, uh, what each tank's definition was i can now identify tanks i can identify hand weapons and i've actually become huh. one of those guys who knows all the things about world war II just by playing the game so it was a very, yeah. very cool. And I'm doing this thing again with moderns because I never knew anything about modern tanks. Now I know the difference, difference between a Leopold one and um, a British chieftain. And now I can visually see all these things and it's quite cool.
0: Yeah, that's great. Anyway, It's very satisfying <laughs> to like learn a bunch of stuff while you're playing games, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Well, Andrew, thank you once more. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe we'll have you back in the future to talk about uh, Battle of the Bulge or some of the other stuff coming out uh, in, uh, next year or so. that be fun. Thanks. Brushbuilders Union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft. Brushbuilders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushwildersunion.com.